Welcome to another Coaching You podcast with the coach, Brendan Sir. And, uh, you know, I love doing podcasts. I love visiting with coaches. And, you know, each one is a learning experience for me. And uh, the thing I love about coaching and I love about the game and about life in general is when you learn from other people. And today was one, it's going to be one of those days. Porter Moser, the incredible head coach from Loyola Chicago, is our guest. When you hear the things that he is going to talk about in his background, you will understand why they were America's darlings as a team this year. Uh, one of the most fascinating guys I've spoken to in my career, but someone who I would love to play for. This is a special human being, a special coach, husband, father, etc. He has the skill set that you want as a coach. Enjoy. Hey, let's take a second to tell you about one of our partners, Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish basketball shooting machines are the most high-tech and durable basketball shooting machines on the market today. Each shooting machine was designed specifically for high repetition training to allow players to improve through technology. Dr. Dish offers game-like training to give hundreds of shooting reps in just minutes and to provide powerful analytics to help players improve their game. Dr. Dish has also introduced Skill Builder, which is the first of its kind of basketball shooting industry that enables coaches and players to stay connected, design and upload training exercises that combine shooting, conditioning, and ball handling into one complete workout, and instantly receive feedback on their workout, allowing for real-time adjustments and improved performance. It is without question the most innovative basketball training machine on the market. It's been the official shooting machine of Coaching You for the last two years. To learn more about Dr. Dish, log on to drdishbasketball.com or follow them on Twitter at drdishbball. Hey, welcome uh, back to our Coaching You podcast. We're excited today. Porter Moser, Loyola Chicago is our guest. And uh, Porter, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. You know, uh, you know, as I'm watching, um, you know, you go through the playoffs and I'm saying, geez, you know, this is, I can't believe each game as we're seeing it, you know, when you get on this incredible run, what, what did you, what did you learn about yourself as a coach this year? You know, there was, um, there was an amazing amount of trust in our locker room and I just, this was the first time so much you, you you know, in coaching, you can feel anxiety and pressure to do things. And I just, I was at peace this year. I really was with this group. And, and I have been the last couple of years here at Loyola. And I don't know if it was watching a little Joe Madden do it with the Cubs, but we really focused in on the process. We talked so much about like what was right in front of us, our journey, um, not getting too far ahead. You know, we had so many times where we've, in the beginning of the year, we've talked about winning the conference tournament, winning, going to the NCAA. And talked so much about what's so far down the road. And we really focused in on the journey. And I tell you, it was it was more rewarding that way. I think we enjoyed the moment that way. I mean, we set individual game goals for every game and just talked about that game in front of us. And Brendan, I was asked so much, like, did you ever think you were going to the Final Four at Loyola? And i got to be honest, I go, no, we didn't sit there. and Especially like when we got into the tournament, we didn't say, no, we're going to the Final Four at Loyola. <laughs> but every game that was in front of us, we believed we were going to win. We, we we focused so much on what was right in front of us. That was the first thing. And the second thing I really learned was 
to enjoy the moment with this group. I mean, every step of the way, the height got bigger and bigger, and everybody asked me, how are you going to handle it And with the guys? And I said the same thing. I said, you know, this group has been a mature group. They've been a focused, locked-in group. They're still 18 to 22. I want them to enjoy this journey. They might not. Who knows when you're going to have this kind of a journey? And I, I really embraced the moment and let them enjoy the ride and trusted them that, and we really talked about it, every time it was time to lock in, whether it was the, a film session, a walkthrough, a practice, every time it was, we were, we, we called it a laser-like focus, we were locked in. And then every time there was a, a parade, a, a celebration, or a, something at our hotel, we enjoyed it. They were like little kids enjoying it, mm-hmm. and they really balanced it well, and I really learned to trust that process um, Instead of sometimes as a coach, you can get so wrapped up. No, this has got to be this. These guys got to be totally serious every minute of the day. And I just, I just enjoyed the moment and, and, let, and really focused in on the process. Where'd you learn that? You know, there's a handful of things. Um, you know, just watching, studying different coaches mm-hmm. um, and just, you know, different things along the way and books I've read. And, um, you know, I just, I just think it's a, it's a handful of things that, are, that, I've, that I've done. You know, you uh, you talked about a couple of people that are really important in your life. Uh, Tony Baroni, who's, you know, I've known since I was 18 years old, believe it or not. Uh, wow. Tony, uh, Tony played at Duke, as you know, and obviously from the, the Catholic League of Chicago. And uh, my high school coach was U.B. Brown. And wow. So <laughs> he would bring Mike Fratello and I down to, as a college student player, he would let and Mike was just out of college and he would let us come down to Duke university where he was an assistant coach and work at their camp and camps, as you know, back then were, that's where you really learned how to coach and teach. And he let me coach. And, uh, Dave Odom was the coach at Durham high school. Then imagine that. And, uh, not the guy at Wake Forest in Virginia, Dave Odom's at Durham high school, just coaching there. And, and, you know, you be brought us down there and then here come this, guy out of, like, I want to say St. Rita's in Chicago, Tony Brony, who played at Duke. And we became incredible friends, and I love him to death. And Tony, you know, I saw was, you know, he recruited you to Creighton. Talk about yeah. the influence of a coach in your life. You know, it was so cool to hear your history with him and to hear those names of Dave Odom, Hubie Brown, yourself, names that I've heard as I entered this profession. And I tell you what I learned. I mean, one thing I learned with with coaching and with Coach Baroni and Coach Majerus, mm-hmm. two got two guys that were really good X and O's, two guys that you would say really were were tough mm-hmm. on players, really yeah. demanded a lot. And you know what I learned is if there's love and trust in the locker room, you can get on kids, you can push kids. Kids want to be held accountable. Kids want to be pushed. It's just that, but they want to have love and trust you know, and a relationship built in there. Coach Baroni was really, really hard on us at Creighton. I mean, he pushed us, but we were a very close knit group, family atmosphere. I knew he loved us. I knew, I mean, when, when, when it was outside the practice, I mean, he had us at his house, Mrs. B mm-hmm. was, I mean, it was a, a complete family atmosphere. And, and I felt, you know, that you could push somebody and, and, and but there's gotta be a love and trust there. The second thing I learned from him and I, and it's just interesting you know, you're talking about the high school days in Durham High School with Coach Odom. Coach, I went from playing at Creighton. Mm-hmm. I had no illusions of grandeur that I was going to be a pro player. 
I, I just, I knew I wanted to coach and I got right into it. Sure. But I, vo- I volunteered my first year at Creighton. I was a, I was a, I wasn't even a GA. I just was a volunteer. I, I was in the office all day wow. doing whatever coach wanted me. And at night I bartended to make money. <laughs> Which and in Omaha that, is a hell of a job. I, I know. <laughs> Pauly Sports Bar. It's a great I, town. Yep. <laughs> and uh, so I went, I went from there to, or Coach Brony got the Texas A&M job. Yeah. And I was the only person he brought with me. Wow. So he, he brought, I was the only person from Texas A&M he brought. So I went with him. And. What I learned, he was on me so hard. He would ride me. He's like, you know what? All you young guys, you know, when I was growing, when Hubie Brown, he'd bring all these names up. We had to do it at the high school level. We were driving high school vans. We were, we were going scouting every game. And what he did was he was on me about learning the game. Yeah. He, he sent me to coaches clinics. He had me totally involved with the scouting, totally involved with every day of coaching and practice. He'd send me to NBA training camps with his friends. I remember going to Larry Brown. With the Pacers watching two days of double practices. He'd send me to clinics and he's like, I want you to bring back all the notes and I want to look at your notes. And I'm 22, 23. And he was so big on learning the game. And what I've seen now, and I've tried to do this with my assistants, is nowadays, guys that get in at a young age, it's about the recruiting. It's about, can you bring a player? Are you connected to a player? It's about recruiting. It's not about the X's and O's. And I've always told every assistant that works for me, and I've got a, a, a lot of guys that get poached for my staff, I want them to do what my coaches did for me, and that is to be well-rounded. I want them to learn the game. I'm, I'm gonna, I send them to clinics. I, I, they're heavily involved with scouting. And it's just – and they got to recruit. Trust me. That's the lifeblood. Sure. But it's not all about just entering the profession and the recruiting is 95%. You still got to learn the game because I want my guys to become head coaches someday. I'm 21 years old, and I'm at the University of Detroit. My, my, I haven't even graduated from college. I'm two months away from graduation, and a guy by the name of Dick Vitale becomes the head coach. I work for, yeah. him, I work for him in the summer at his kids' camps. He says to me, you want to go to University of Detroit and be my assistant? I said, yeah, why not? You know, I mean, like, you know, <laughs> back then there's only two assistants on the staff allowed full-time. Dick Vitale's making seventeen thousand five hundred as the head coach, University of Detroit. I'm making nine thousand. I thought I hit the lottery, you know. And <laughs> and and so one day I'm in my office, and you know the University of Detroit campus. Yes. And I'm sitting there in Callahan Hall, and all of a sudden this guy walks in the office, and I recognize him from TV, but I don't know. Him. And it's Rick Majerus. Wow. He says, "Brendan, Rick Majerus." Coach, how you doing? He says, I'm in Detroit recruiting. He says, I want to work out. Can I work out in your gym? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> you know. And so <laughs> you know, he's it. out there and then next thing you know, we're out there. I'm twenty one. We're playing one on one. He said, Come on, let's play one on one. I said, Geez, coach, you know, I'm like five ten, like hundred and fifty five, sixty pounds. I'm in great shape. I just played it a month ago. Yeah. <laughs> and he was he was great. We just had so much fun and we became dear friends. And I oh, and, and you know, I mean you talk about this guy loved every part about it. And you know, and and I and I know you do. And guys like him, I miss him so much. And you know, Ugh. he was such a, he was the ultimate pa- basketball developer of people. I think there's so many coaches that say, "Wow, he had such an influence on my life." And I know you're one. What was so special about Rick? For you, you know, it for just you. he he was. Um, there was I can't pinpoint. There were so many things he was he was special in my life. And, um, you know, 
you know, you can start with the basketball part, you know, he's the teaching part, the attention to detail. I just, my whole philosophy on the attention to detail defensively, all the little things it's, it's the accumulation of a lot of little things that add up with his teaching. It's not just one thing. There's, Mm -hmm. there's a, you, you know, I've always had that love that quote, you achieve what you emphasize. Mm -hmm. And he emphasized so many little things and the accumulation of all those little things became special. Um, he was, he was, he demanded the attention to D de- and he demanded it. He didn't go. I mean, I'm telling you, he'd always tell me, he's like, Porter, my teams are out of shape in the beginning. <laughs> I'm like, really? I'm like, really? Why? The first practice I found out, I mean, it was like every pass he stopped it yeah, and, and corrected it. Cause we, we never ran. Up, yeah. Right. <laughs> we, we didn't get up and down for like five days. I mean, it was like <laughs> every time the possession, I mean, if we got to 30 seconds in a shot clock, that was a damn good day because it was just like every pass, everything was stop it, teach it, stop it, teach it. And it was, and he joked about, it. he's like, Hey Porter, I'm going to leave for like 10 minutes. Just let him go up and down because I can't be in here. If I, if I'm in here, I'm going to stop at every pass. And he'd, he'd catch himself. And, uh, I love that part about him. But I'll tell you another big, big huge thing for me. And I, I, and I try to tell coaches and talk to coaches about this. And I hope any coaches are listening to this. You know, I, I was, I was a head coach at a young age. I got the Arkansas Little Rock job at 31 as the second youngest coach. We had the largest turnaround in the history of the Sun Belt Conference. Won 18, taking a team that won four the previous year. We won 18 or more. Then I get the Illinois State job. There was they were in last place in the Missouri Valley. Um, and then I had four years there. I had a seven year contract. But after four years, uh, we were turning it around. And I felt we I think we won 16 or 17 games. I had my entire top six players back. Ooh. And we were going to be picked number one in the league, and I get fired. Whoa. I get fired from Illinois State. And that's when I went with Coach Majerus. And it was a tough time for me. And I just, I just went into this competitive reinvention. I had a, an opportunity to be a head coach at some lower Division I school. And that just, you know, I'm like, do I really want to do another rebuild? And I went strictly from the point of, I'm going to learn as much as I can from Rick Majerus. And I was blessed to have that opportunity. But you know what he did? Guys, I was blessed to get another second chance. And the time I was with Rick, everything was about good kids, tough kids, do it the right way, development, don't skip corners, don't, you know, nothing in the recruiting process, don't skip steps. And we built it at St. Louis, three straight NCAA tournament teams. You know, and then when I got to Loyola, sometimes coaches that go through what I went through, Mm -hmm. they have an anxiety to succeed fast because they're afraid it's going to happen again and that's real that is that anxiety is real and what rick taught me is don't rush it there's a way to do it and he called me my first year like all the time because we were getting our brains beat in (laughs) and he was like porter i know it's tough but do it the right way develop good kids tough kids winning kids and i just stayed the course with that and i would give anything if he was if he was around because i was asked a question at the final four they said what would Coach Majera say yeah. to you today? And it, he would, what he would say, he, I think he would love our team. Yeah. I think he would have loved the way we played. I think he would have loved how we shared it, how hard we guarded. I think he would have loved the, that, we, that he would have said, Porter, you're, you're playing the right way. And that was the ultimate compliment I would have received from Coach Majerus. The second thing he would have said to me is, where are we going to eat after the game? <laughs> and uh, and that, Paul Biancardi has told me that line. Yeah, I saw him right after the final board. He goes, I'd tell you, if Coach was here, he'd be going, where are we eating? Where are we That's eating? Right. And we just started laughing because Paul and I worked together with him. Paul's great. Paul is great. Absolutely. But every guy, you know, and, and you know, I worked for UB and he was tough. Fratello was tough, you know. Uh, you know, And what happens, though, is they make you tough. 
mentally. Right. And, right. You know, you know, and you know, I'm totally different personality than Yubi. And the key thing that he said to me, the first day I would practice with him with the Hawks, uh, you know, here I'm, I played for him in high school, and now I'm 27 years old and I'm with the Hawks and we're doing a drill with our summer league, you know, team in rookie camp. And I think I'm doing a nice job doing the little drill. And he, in front of 2,000 people, he screams down the other end of the court, what the hell are you doing? Not to the players, <laughs> to me. And, and I'm like going, I, you know, I think these guys are doing great, you know. But he wanted to let me know, whatever you're doing, and it was good. It wasn't good enough. Then he sat me down, and I'm like, him and Fratello are like exactly the same. They speak the same way. They act the same way. They are twins. And, I, I, and I'm not like that at all. And he sits me down one day, and he says, listen, don't try to be me. Be yourself. It's going to be good enough. And I went, yeah. it was, he gave me uh, freedom to coach. And I think that is so, un- you make such an impression, Porter, on people that a lot of people will emulate your style because you have a, you have a great style in the way you coach kids and you love kids and stuff like that. But everyone has to be themselves and whether it's Brian Mullins on your staff or, you know, Valentine, they all have to be themselves. And, you know, if you work for Izzo, you can't be Tom just because you work for Tom. You know, you right. got to be yourself. And I think that is so important. And I think that's what Rick was really good at uh, letting people understand that, you know. Fast Model Sports is the world's most versatile basketball coaching software to help power your preparation. Fast Model has developed the industry's best coaching software, including the number one play diagramming and playbook software, FastDraw. FastDraw bridges the gap between whiteboarding and the digital world with an incredibly easy-to-use interface that can be used on both your computer and your iPad, providing maximum portability for your own personal play and drill database. doesn't stop there. Along with FastDraw, they have other great programs such as FastScout, which I have used, which helps coaches create clean professional scouting reports customized for your team. Fast Model is trusted and used by every NBA team and WNBA team and 85% of Division I college teams and over 8,000 high school and youth teams from over 75 countries around the world. In addition to a great product, they also provide basketball coaching resources through their blog and play bank, which features over 5,000 free plays and drills for their online coaching community. For access... To these plays and more information, visit FastModelSports.com or follow them on Twitter at FastModel. Talk about this season. I mean, uh, so uh, having lived in Florida for 19 years, uh, I, I all of a sudden am stunned in December when I see that you beat the Gators down there because I know how hard a building that is to win in. What the hell was that like for your team? <laughs> well, I, I, I'm totally getting it. But I really just want to say just 10 seconds of Absolutely. what you just said. For anybody listening to what you said about being yourself is such unbelievable truth and advice. And I worked for a coaching icon in Rick Majerus, and I 100% he said it. I said it to myself. I go, people say that I work for Coach Majerus, but I got to be Porter Moser. I've got, I, I've always had this high energy about myself. I've had this positivity about myself and I've tried to take what I, you got to take what you, the best from what you learn from and make it 
to yourself. Mm-hmm. And that is just such a fact because I couldn't come in here and try to be Rick Majerus when I took this little job. I had to take what I learned from him and be Porter Moser. That is such that's awesome. Good. I just wanted to that's touch really, on that. No, kind of, that's that spectacular. Thank you. No, that's that's awesome. That is great. Um, the, the the Florida game, it was, um, you know, we the, the one of the storylines that people don't haven't talked about that much, they do in Chicago, is when you're at a place like Loyola and you have an NBA player, we lost Milton Doyle, who's with the Brooklyn Nets as a rookie. And we a lot of times when you're our level, you lose an NBA player, you just get devastated. Oh, absolutely. And when we he, we had some pieces around him, he helped draw other good players because he was a big name here in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And there was a little bit of how, you know, how are we going to be without Milt? Because he had the ball in his hand. And so all summer long, as coaches, we're like, man, we're moving the ball. We're sharing the ball. You know, we got some good pieces. And we started off good. But then when we beat Florida, everyone was kind of looking around, like, to our, in our own locker room, like, you know what? We can be really good. Like, it was one of those confidence games that, that, you, can, um, that you can just feel it grow. And the, you know, not that there wasn't any buy-in. There's the cultures. There's been a lot of buy-in, but you can just see the buy-in grow and grow and grow. And that those, those kind of wins um, can really, you know. And but you, you got to move forward, though. We didn't we didn't look back on it. We just talked about, hey, that was part of the process. Next one up. So there was a lot of good things that came out of that game. You know, when we talk about buy-in, and uh, and I think when you're at a program like you try what it, that you started at Loyola. Uh, the word I always associate with buy-in is believe in. And so to get buy-in, you have to believe in. And when you get those kids to believe in what you're doing, they now go, oh, wow. And they see the results. And kids nowadays, young people, they're all about results. And they want the results yesterday. (laughs) They want them before they even are supposed to happen. But, (laughs) you know, but now I I watched after you you had a good win after that. But then all of a sudden, for like a two-week stretch around, just prior to Christmas and post-Christmas, you lose like three games out of the six you lose all year long. What happened to the team in there in that period? Well, I always think Christmas is a funny time anyway. (laughs) Yeah, no, finals, finals at Loyola, I mean – We've historically been anybody that's out there listening and scheduling schedule us after finals. <laughs> our, our our finals here are just so it's a tough academic school, and my guys get always get whacked out. I mean, it's like crazy, but that's not an excuse. But I will say, I just wrote it down. I, I you, you, there's opportunities to learn everywhere. I love what you just said. Believe in is so much better than buy in. I love it. I absolutely yeah. love it. I, I I got it written down. I'm I'm, not, I'm from forever. I'm from here forward. I'm using believe in instead of buy in. That's I, such I, a I only more request, powerful statement. I request one thing. Give me credit for it one time. <laughs> no one time. No one time. Then it's your idea. Okay. No, you no, got one it. time right, and then right it's right your sir, right here. No one. That's coaching all. you. Coaching you. I love it. Um, here's a here's the thing that's happened, and it's not an excuse, because I think it helped us later on. But in the Florida game, what made the Florida game even you know a, a better win is. Right at the end of the first half, Clayton Custer, our, he was player yeah. of the year in the Missouri Valley. He went down with an ankle sprain. Okay. And Ben Richardson, who was defensive player of the year, who was, he, you know, he had Love him. Yep. 23. So he was already out with a broken hand. Oh, geez. So both, both those didn't even play in the second half of the Florida game. Okay. Wow. And, How about and that? Then, <laughs> so Ben missed 10 games. So he missed. So both of those two guys were out in that run when we lost those three games. The, the crazy stat was we were something like 30 and two with Clayton Custer because we lost three of the games 
you know, it was right after the, um, as we were heading into the final four, we were 32 and five, but with Custer, we were 30 and two. And the games we lost was the Boise state and we lost, um, uh, at Bradley. Yeah. Those are the games we lost. And, uh, with Custer. And so that, not an excuse. Everyone goes through injuries, but it helped us get better. And I'll tell you why every, I'll tell you another reason why you love Ben Richardson. This is Ben Richardson. You, you can't coach a kid who wants to win more. I mean, it's, I mean, he puts everything into it. And when he broke his hand, I just was heartbroken. I mean, I'm just heartbroken for the kid because he's, it's a senior year. He's broke his hand. He's got to get surgery. And they're telling him he's going to be back in January. So the season's not lost, but he's going to miss a big chunk. And he says to me, he goes, coach, maybe this gives an opportunity to one of the guys coming off the bench to get more confidence so that he'll help us late, later on when I come back. Honest, to, to hand to God, he says that to me. Wow. He says maybe, and I'm like, so it, it exactly what happened. Lucas Williamson, our freshman, who wasn't playing much because I was kind of just putting all the minutes with Ben, I, I ended up playing him a lot. And Lucas got better and better and better. And when Ben came back, Lucas was like Ben's little protege on defense. Offensively, he was shooting it. Lucas Williams was, was a big piece of this puzzle as we moved forward. I mean, he made big plays after big plays down the stretch off the bench. And that was a foresight. That's the maturity and the, the winner. That's what Ben said. How it's just unbelievable. How, how How is it when you go like from like, what was it, January 31 to the end of the year at, to not lose a game after the Bradley game, I think. You didn't lose a game till you know, to the end, right? Till Michigan. Right, till Michigan. I mean, that's 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 like the 76ers just did, you know, winning 17 straight or some ridiculous thing. You know, it is so hard to do, and especially in college ball because it takes so much longer, uh, you know, time-wise, you know, to do. You know, you, so how do you keep your team – how did you keep this group, uh, you know, up, focused, and again, for so long? You know what? We, we, we talked about so much that we were the ones chasing. We had this mantra of no finish line, Good. no finish line. So after the, the Valley has 18 conference games, after the, the front nine, so to say, we were in first place. And I was asked a question by the media. They said, now going into the second half of conference, how does it feel like for you to ones being chased? And we talked about that in our locker mm. room saying, chased? We're not being chased. We don't have a banner. We don't have a Missouri Valley championship ring. And we kept on talking and had a mantra, no finish line. We're the ones chasing. And they became really, really hungry. And there's this wise veteran coach that used this term, believe in. His name's Brendan Sir. And he had this, he had this, he had this term called that he said believe in. And there was a huge amount of belief in our locker room about one game at a time, one game right in front of us. And then literally, we said the same mantra in the locker room after the bank, after the game. We said, put it in the bank. Oh, that's we'd, great. We'd win a game, we'd put it in the bank, and everything was about next game, next game. And uh, they just really did a great job of one game at a time, embracing the individual game goals, not living off the previous game. They just really believed in that. I loved your style of play. And not having gotten a chance to see you during the regular season, I loved the way you guys played. How did you evolve to that style? Because I think it's unique. You, you know, play. it ties back into what we were talking about earlier about, you know, you have to take what you learn from somebody and make it yourself. Uh -huh. I, I learned so much about spacing from yeah. Coach Majerus. And when he was broadcasting ESPN, I could just hear it right now in his Wisconsin <laughs> accent 
offense is spacing and spacing is offense. And he, he, the little things he taught, the little things he taught in spacing about ball screen stuff, about lifting the guy so fast and having him in the deep, all these things. We do our shooting drills with that spacing. And what we just did is we wanted to add a little pace and space. Yeah. So we've added, I added a little, cause I like to, I wanted to play a little faster with it. And so we kind of talked about the space and we kind of said it's pace and space. And we just, and the guys really enjoyed playing it. I mean, getting, going downhill, we really embraced the assist and we really talked about it and showed film and glorified the hockey assist. Yes. And we really pumped it up when we call it get the domino starting. So we do some spacing. And then when we drive a closeout, that guy, we talked about, he's starting the domino. And then that we might not get the assist, but we'd pump up. He got the hockey assist. And we would show those clips and glorify it in our film sessions. And the guys loved it. The guys loved They felt good about sharing it and getting that hockey assist, even though that wasn't in the box score. You're talking about showing video, and I'm, I'm watching uh, this morning before we do this. I'm watching my friend Kobe Bryant doing this stuff called Detail on ESPN. Uh, oh, wow. Have you seen it? It's uh, amazing. He's just doing it for the playoffs. And basically, he's taking game film, and he said Tex Winter and Phil Jackson taught him how to watch film the right way. And it's spectacular. And what he did is he breaks down a play, just a play and shows what he's looking at and what's important in every film, running it over and over. And it's like nothing I've ever seen. And here's one of our best players of all time being able to do this. And, you know, I just think, you know, uh, Mike Procopio, a Chicago guy, you know, uh, you know, he, he worked with Kobe and, and is the same detailed kind of guy. But what I love is that you were doing that on offense. And my big bitch, excuse me, I can say this on a podcast, and even though I'm Catholic too, I can say it. Um, <laughs> and I work for the Jesuits too, that's why I'm poor. Uh, but, you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, I think that is really, uh, you know, important is that in college we spend too much dang time on the opponents. All we worry about is them. We, stop, we don't worry enough about ourselves. And, and by showing clips of what you're doing right, there's the players, you know, it's like t- telling you have, you know, what are your four beautiful kids at home, right? Yes. yes. <laughs> and I, I always tell coaches I work with, I said, you know, if you think this is the right way to coach, go home and criticize them and your wife for three or four straight hours. See how that goes <laughs> over. And, and, oh, man. and right. So, and you say, well, I, I would never do that. Well, why do you do it to your own team? You know, why do you do it to your own players? And by showing them what they do right, there's a tremendous chance that they're going to want to keep doing that. They don't. Yes. And, and you beat them down the other way. And and unfortunately, we have a lot of guys that coach the way they were coached. And but they would they would be the first guys in line bitching and moaning if their kid was coached like that playing for a youth league team right and, right and, I, and that's what i love about your positivity and stuff you know by showing them the right way sure you have to teach them and you have to prepare them for the defensive end of the court but i i know that i've been working in colleges where for three days getting ready for a game the next game all we do is focus on the, our opponent we ne- haven't yeah. worked on offense uh, for ourselves and you know what all of a sudden we can't score 
And the coach says, "Oh, what's wrong with our guys? <laughs> you haven't worked on it for a week, you know." <laughs> you know, but uh, you absolutely. Know, what, what 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 do you think the biggest things? You know, you've been in college coaching for years now, and what do you think the biggest things that that you do, maybe that are different or not different, but what do you, what do you think are the keys to the way you guys practice? Well, one thing is that I learned. I mean, Coach Baroni did it. And not and my first practice with Coach Majerus, he did it, and we do it. Is I know you know how you watch practices, and they'll do you know especially at the beginning of the year, they'll have some skill work, guards on one end, bigs on the other. Yep. And you know sometimes it starts at ten minutes, and then as the season starts going, then it's five or six minutes, and then you start getting into the games, and you skip it. Yeah, I'm telling you, we did it fifteen to twenty minutes. Every day, all the way through the Final Four, we started with skill. Shooting, driving, passing, spacing, um, the bigs in their post moves, the bigs on, on catching the ball, eyes to the rim, to build habits. And we, we, we sold them on that this is your time. You know, this is, this is a time as a player. I go, and we tried to let them feel like they're getting a competitive advantage over their opponent, saying, you know, if you have 80, 90 practices – times 20 mm. look at all that extra minutes of skill work you're getting than your opponent if someone else isn't doing this and coach brony did it coach majerus did it we did not skimp on skill work in the beginning when you started getting into the games um the second thing i, I really like is, is, is when you're talking about film i don't know if it's different i know a lot of people do this but we didn't skimp because sometimes things fade you know sometimes you can you can do some things and oh, i'm going to make this an emphasis and for a week or two, you're emphasizing it, and then you start to fade away, fade away, fade away. And I think consistency on your emphasis. Maybe not have 25 emphasis. You know, really find out what you want with your program. What do you want to emphasize? What do you believe in that you want to emphasize? And stay consistent with it. But our film sessions, you know, I, I can even look back on, like, starting with the my after the Miami game. Every game, we have the same film sessions. We call it Get Better Tapes. And we don't even on short turnarounds, we don't we don't skimp on it. That we show clips of that, and we call them "get better," and that's a positive term in terms of showing them mistakes, you know. And we sell them on, hey, these are the these are fifteen twenty clips that we have to get better on. And then we have the next segment is intangibles. These are the positive things that we do that we say different. You know, if it's a a three to the rim defensive post move. And that's a Rick Majerus term, three to the rim. <laughs> and if, if, if a big, if the big made a three to the rim and made a guy take a tough two, you know, we'll, that's an, if a guy takes a charge, if a guy has a turnover and sprints back and gets into his shadow and, and stops a, a transition basket after a turnover, that's a character play. And we show a bunch of intangibles. And I remember being in the hotel in Dallas after the Miami game, the next morning, you're sitting there all, you're up all night with your staff mm -hmm. watching, ten, watching Tennessee film. And then you're trying to identify the next day. You got media stuff. You have this. You know, you're trying to block off. What are you doing? And we, we said to ourselves, we're not skimping. The next morning, our first thing we did was show our get better tape for the Miami game. Then we took a break. We had some meal. And then we, then we started in on Tennessee. And we sold the guys on, man, we're, we got to be better than we were against Miami to beat Tennessee. And, and then we pumped up the intangible plays. There was a great deflection that we had that got us an extra possession in the Miami game. Um, there was a great execution. We had that hammer play and we didn't call it. We had practiced it and we sh showed us how the, there was a little things about how Ben got open. And we show those two parts of, of every game. We don't skimp no matter how short the turnaround is. 
see that that's that's phenomenal stuff there and you know you beat two great coaches Larnaga and you know Rick Barnes just incredible guys incredible experience and stuff like that and those are the little things that make a difference uh you know and I I think that is spectacular stuff Porter, we could do about two hours, man. I I, I, I love talking about. I'm, gonna, I'm coming respect. to Chicago to see you, my friend. This I is, hope you do. You got an open invitation anytime. Please well, come yeah, on. This is uh, neat, and I'm going to give you one little tip as we leave. Uh, I'm going to tell you this one. This is uh, I'm working with uh, the great Chuck Daly, and two things about Chuck, um, and uh, who is you know loved Tony and coached him actually, and uh, one thing Chuck said was uh, when I went with him with the Pistons because I had come from UB, then Fratello, then uh, go to Chuck. And uh, and Chuck said, uh, we emphasize two things here, defense and rebounding. And, <laughs> and I'm like going, okay. Uh, you know, and, and UB's more like Majerus. He's detail everything. And so I said, well, what about offense? We have a phenomenal offensive team with Isaiah and Dumars, Vinnie Johnson, all these guys. And what about offense? He said, Brendan, we don't have to encourage him to play offense. Trust me. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I said, wow, that's good. And here's the, here's the last thing for your 20-minute uh, segment. So I doing that, guards one end, post guys at the other, bigs at the other. Chuck said, uh, I said, Chuck, are we going to split him up? And he says, no. Why, why would we do that? I said, so they could work on their game. you know. And Chuck says, we play pick and roll here. I said, yeah. He says, so why would I have the guards playing pick and roll with each other? We're going to play pick and roll guards and bigs. So we put them together. And I'll no you, doubt. It changed everything because all of a sudden now our timing and everything, we didn't have that in Atlanta that we had. Then now I saw. And here's the other thing. He made the bigs be ball handlers and the small set the screens too. So they were, Absolutely. So we, they were, 100%. That was a, we, we called it combined skill. Yeah. We did we did segments of combined skill because we do a lot of pick and rolls. Yep, and you have to do it. We we it is so big and we, like Dante Ingram was our four. There were so many plays we had him coming off ball screens, and we called that the combined skill. And that is a, that's a big part of our practice. I'm st- Porter Moser gave me the term combined skills, and then after that, baby, coaching you clinic. I'm using it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got my believe in. Brendan right. Silver. I wrote it right here. The okay. believe in. T- just one time, Porter. One time, and then you own it. Okay. okay hey, this it. was great. Thank you so much. Congrats on a fabulous season, and I look forward to seeing you in the spring. Thanks so much, Coach, for having me on. Porter, thank you. That was incredible. I think what you're gonna you're gonna agree with is that uh, you know we, we've been doing hundreds of these over the last several years, and this is one of the very best. Uh, this is one, as I teased Porter afterwards, I think I could have done two or three hours with him. Uh, he's that exciting, stimulating, and brilliant. Uh, enjoy it. Learn from it. Uh, we have just had several of our coaching you calls uh, for those that have signed up already. I am. I didn't know when our guys on the staff suggested, on our team suggested we do this, how it was going to work. I'm blown away by it. Excited every week to hear the questions that the people have that have signed up for Coaching You Live. Get on board. You're going to get 10-plus calls in before the clinic itself. Uh, go to coachingyoulive.com, sign up. Be part of these calls before you even get to Vegas, uh, July 9 and 10. Till next week, this is the coach, Brendan Sarah.